0: A new life and I encourage you to go to Colossians 3 or you can turn your attention to the screen last week was uh, our first installment and uh, we're gonna do six weeks of this let's just kick it off here we go so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ act like it okay here we go (laughs) pursue the things over which Christ presides don't shuffle along, eyes of the ground. Absorbed with the things right in front of you. We talked about that last week. But look up, be alert to what's going on around Christ. And that's what's super important. Not what's going on around you. But look up and see what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Last week we looked at these two verses and we talked about this new life from his perspective. Perspective. Today we're going to talk about this new life, but instead of his perspective, we're going to talk about his life. Verse 3 Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. And when Christ, parenthetic note, your real life, remember, Shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too, the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity, like Christ. Lord, help us today to hear your voice. Speak to all of us. Let the seed be good. Let the ground be clear. Help it take root. Draw us to you. I ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm sitting over there, and I'm thinking about the message of this morning. And I'm thinking, salvation is so easy. Salvation, freedom, redemption, those are our mission goals. Salvation is so easy. Sometimes the most difficult part of salvation is how straightforward and easy it is. By grace you are saved through faith. Not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man boast. You are saved by grace through faith. And who he is and what he's done. In the 12 steps of AA, they capture it so succinctly. I admit that I'm a train wreck, step one. Step two, there's a power greater than myself that can restore me. And step three is I make a decision to surrender to that. That's salvation. I'm a hot mess, and I need somebody, and we call that somebody Jesus, and we say yes. That's the whole salvation prayer is just yes, yes. My salvation conversion moment consisted of two words, one of those being a contraction. I walked in and I opened my hands in a gathering and I said, I'm ready. I was immediately baptized with the Spirit. It was a powerful infilling. You probably couldn't have heard me standing next to me. It wasn't loud, but it was powerful. And it was a response just, I'm ready. It was my version of yes. Bam, righteousness, innocence. Salvation is so straightforward. So easy, it's hard. It's difficult, it's so easy. Freedom, however, (laughs) discipleship. For folks that are like, you know, salvation is so easy, I'm like, stand by. Because discipleship, if freedom costs you nothing, discipleship costs you everything. And there are levels of that. We all have a capacity for spirit, and it's different. And that's not Christ in us, but it is Christ's ability to work through us. And that's different for everybody. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Not according to the power. We're not talking about Jesus here. He's he's not on the block. We're not talking about the Holy Spirit being on the block. We're talking about us. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. And the ability of that power to work in us is different for every person. It's the same power. It's the same power, but the capacity that we have, be it through faith, which is often connected to obedience, that capacity for God to work is different for every one of us. And so as we continue in this journey with him, in this new life with Christ, he's formed in us. You don't have to raise your hand. But isn't it true that in some parts of your life, God calls you to something and you say yes? And in some parts of your life, God calls you and you act like he didn't call you. Possibly you even just look at him and go, mm, "No, no thanks. When Emma was little, we would ask her if she'd want something and she would just dismissively look over at us and go, no thanks, no No thanks. To which I still walk around and go, "Mm, no thanks. But God wants me to be drawn into this place. I'd like you to be here. I'd like to use you in this. And you're like, eh, no. You're not not saved in that moment. But it is a discipleship moment. And we are talking about capacity. The capacity which is faith, which is often built through obedience which is built from trust. Your old life is dead, your new life which is your real life even though invisible is with Christ in God. An invisible life hidden with Christ in God. New life. An invisible life hidden with Christ in God. And I began to think, what is a contemporary example of this? I thought of this hidden life this invisible life. I thought of it as, as being a participant, and I thought of my time in the military, and I thought of veterans, people that serve in mass, a nameless face in a sea of soldiers. Just a nameless face in a sea of soldiers, giving your life for a cause you believe in, a cause that you're, you're called to, a cause greater than yourself, but you're just one of thousands. Important to the people back home, important to the people in the hometown. But when it we talk about the operation itself, I'm just a name, a number. A Smith, nine one six seven two six. That was my number. I think of it not just as a participant, but I think of it as a recipient. So as a pastor, and particularly as a leader. When as a leader, I've been the recipient of other people who choose to give their life. They choose to volunteer their time. They choose to share their resources for a vision that I articulate. For an idea that I've presented. Some goal, some purpose, some dream. It's something that's come from my chest, through my mouth, and I articulate a vision and people raise their hand and they're like, I'll be a part of that. I'll give my life to that. It's arresting, frankly, it's humbling. So whether the participant that says, I'm all in as I did in a uniform, as many of you have in uniform, or when you're leading something and you present something and people say, I am willing to give myself to this thing, I am willing to take my identity and I am willing to take my individualism and I am willing to surrender it to this cause. That's discipleship. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, chooses the words invisible and obscure. And those words capture the now life of our new life, the now life, the now condition of our new life. So just like Christ, you see, he wasn't seen, and he wasn't understood. He was experienced by others, right? They experienced his ministry, but he wasn't actually seen all the time, and he definitely wasn't understood. I'm thinking of a time where an angry crowd came to Jesus, and Jesus just slipped out of the crowd. I'm like, Jesus just slipped out of the crowd? If it was Bono, could he slip out of the crowd? He just slipped out? I think of the garden. We're going to go after this Messiah king. We're going after this young rebel soldier, this young rebel leader. Judas says, I can deliver him. Hasn't that ever been bizarre to you? That Judas needed to show up and identify who Jesus is? Hasn't that ever struck you as weird? Jesus, this amazing, huge face on the news, public, nobody knew who he was. He was unseen, indiscriminate. Judas actually had to go, okay, well, here's the sign: he'll be the guy I kiss. And so they all show up and they're just waiting for Judas to see who he kisses. And that's the trigger? I mean, couldn't they have even just walked up? I get it if they would say, we don't even know where he is, but if you'll show us where he is, we'll storm the castle. But that wasn't it. It wasn't like, where's he hanging out these days? Well, I hear he's in the garden. Okay, we'll take it from here. No, 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 no. All the soldiers showed up, and there's a bunch of guys there, and they don't know which one he is. They don't even know which one. Judas has to walk up and give him a kiss. And then they're like, ah, must be the guy. Have you ever considered that? How indiscriminate? How small fish in big pond he is? He was a blip. When he was crucified, it was a blip. It didn't even make the news. Just one other young rebel. Earlier rebellions there would be 600 people in the rebellion. Every 40 yards, a crucifix. Every 40 yards on the Appian Way. Every 40 yards, a crucifix. 600. History tells us they ran out of lumber. Jesus was just one more guy on a Friday afternoon. They didn't even know who he was. Paul tells us, however, when he shows again, that's when we get to actually show. But until then, it says, what we read today, be content with obscurity. Be content with obscurity. Now, if you uh, look at other readings, the message is an idiomatic translation. If you look at other translations of the scripture, that phrase at the end, meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ, is not in any of those. It's not in any of those. Eugene Peterson, when he was in Baltimore, actually, Bel Air, which is a little northeast of Baltimore, we moved here from Bel Air. That's where Melinda and the kids and I lived. We lived in that town. And so I passed the church that he pastored. I passed it all the time. We'd take the kids to soccer. We'd go past the church that Eugene Peterson pastored. When he was out there in Baltimore, he found that people didn't understand the scripture. He was schooled and educated as a professor in both Hebrew and Greek, but was a pastor. And so he just did this whole thing to help people understand better. It's called an idiomatic translation. What he did right here was something kind of pastoral. He just kind of dropped a little pastoral thing in there. It's not in any of the other translations. It's just his take on this. And he says, oh, hey, by the way, meanwhile, meanwhile, meaning what? Well, while we're waiting... While we're waiting for him to be seen in all of his fullness, when will that day be? Well, that's the last book of the Bible, right? What's the name of the last book of the Bible? Anybody? Revelation. That's the abbreviated title. The whole title is, and what's the first five words say? The Revelation of Jesus Christ. That entire book you know, spitting flying dragons and all kinds of horsemen and hail and trumpets and vials and blood poured out and all that business is all about one thing. It is all to show that Jesus is Lord. It is the revelation. That entire book is the revealing of Jesus. The whole thing is about who Jesus is. Every other thing in there, the horsemen and the scorpions and the smoke and the pits and all of the abyss and the... Babylon, all that business. It's all a setup. They're all props for who Jesus is, revealing finally who he is. And when he gets revealed, we get revealed. But until then, Pastor Peterson says, be content with obscurity. I think this is what we do every Sunday. We read the scripture and we expound on it. That's what he did, he just added it. Got me thinking. Obscurity. Obscurity as a noun is this, the state of being unknown, inconspicuous, unimportant. To go into obscurity, you're unimportant, unknown, inconspicuous. But the verb, the verb, obscure, means to conceal, to make indistinct. And that grabbed my chest. That grabbed me. Obscurity, just like Christ, is not a lack of engagement. Obscure living, to be obscured is not a lack of engagement. It's not benign, it's not powerless, it's not without impact, it's not waffling, it's not unsure of my God connection or my God calling. For my life to be obscured Question is, by what? The writer says that we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. What are we obscured by? By Christ. Is my life obscured by Christ? Is it indistinct from Him? Am I concealed? But concealed by the covering of Jesus. When people see me, what, or more importantly, who do they see? When people see you, when people see us, this is the discipleship part. When people see us, who do they see? Jesus in Philippians 2 tells us that he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Galatians 2.20, you could probably quote it with me. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. And it doesn't say faith in the Son of God. It says faith of the Son of God, the Son of God's faith. Make it a possessive. It's the Son of God's faith by which I live. It's me tucked in to him so that when you see me, you see him, does that sound familiar? Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was concealed by the Father, indistinct from the Father. People didn't know him, but they felt him. He still had impact, he still had engagement. Jesus tells us in John 14, he says, I do what my Father tells me to do. John 12, he says, I say what the Father's told me to say. Are, are we concealed in the Father? Are we indistinct from the Son? That's the thing that's kind of cranking around on me today. Like, where are we in that whole deal? What has Christianity become for you? What is it for you to be concealed by him, indistinct from him, from his way. I was trying to think of that meeting. I was trying to picture it in my mind, that meeting. You know, you got Jesus in the middle, right, and John's leaning against his shoulder, and everybody's like tucked around the long table. Remember that? Remember that board meeting they had where they were talking about how they were working on their branding strategy? Remember that? y'all sat around and wondered what kind of branding strategy they should have for their ministry, what should it look like, what kind of t-shirts they should get, what kind of ads they would run, where the logos would be, huh? It's almost comical, it's almost, people in here are probably like, stop it, <laughs> like you're, you're being sacrilegious or something. You think Jesus sat around and said, fellas, we need to market this? Jesus was the guy that said, don't tell anybody. Jesus was the guy that prayed for people, and they were healed, and then he went out the next morning to pray, and the disciples came out and said, the whole city has turned out for you. What would happen today if that was the case? Andy, somebody comes in, Andy, they heard about they heard about us. like, everybody's outside. they want to get in the church. They're going to get in here, everybody. You know what Jesus did? He goes, I'm so glad you guys showed up this morning because we need to go to the next town. Thank you. Now I don't have to walk back and get you. You're already here, so let's just continue going. Do you understand what that meant for the people in the town? What kind of cussing happened about 1130 when he didn't show up? Three o'clock. What kind of God is this? What kind of thing are we doing here? This is a calling to authenticity. This is a calling to actual connection with Jesus. Actual connection with Jesus. This is a a stripping away, a peeling away of religious trappings. The things that we promote. This isn't a date. This isn't a date today. This isn't arnic being up here doing a super great job, so you like us, so you like him. We do good children's programming, so you like it. That's not what this is. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's not this thing where we get together and we try to, like a date, put our best foot forward and try to be something that you're going to value something that when you compare this church with that church or that person with that person or that with that, you compare it and you're like, hmm, let's see, I'll do that one. I get it, that's why I'm talking about it. I get how it happens because it's subtle. It's subtle and it sneaks up on us and we like present this thing on Sunday. Frankly, let me just be completely honest with you right now. I would never come up with all of this. If I was on an island with a Bible, me and a Bible, I would never come up with all this. I'm not sure you would come up with it. What I would come up with (laughs) is something about him hiding me, me being hidden in him, me hearing his voice, walking through that. Walking through day by day. Recognition that I don't need recognition. Recognition that this isn't about us promoting a brand. It's not even about us promoting Christianity. It is about us promoting Jesus. But it is about promoting Jesus because that's all they see. It's not me with some super cool marketing tool that I slide Jesus in. He's all they see. Like, that's all that's happening here. We get together as his body, and we serve, and we love, and we do love, and we do serve, and this is valuable. I just said I would never come up with it. It's valuable. It's valuable to gather in community. It's valuable to sing together. I saw God working today in amazing ways. I sat right back here, And I looked around at different times, and I saw children that God was touching. And I thanked God for this community and for this space, for those children to be here. I saw it this morning. My heart exploded. I saw people struggling, that other people came up alongside them and became the body of Christ in that moment. That matters. This matters. Just because I would never come up with it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. We can gather and sing and pray and love and preach and talk and pray and love and sing some more. But we're not marketing him. That's a road that works for a minute and then doesn't. This isn't a date, right? Christway has a logo. Is it anywhere? Should be somewhere. Oh, somebody has a shirt. Evan. Evan, look at Evan's right arm. I saw it this morning, see? Evan's right arm has the Christway logo. Look at that bicep. Make that thing dance, baby. Make that thing dance. <laughs> the Christway logo. It's a it's a bubble. It's a speech bubble. It's a talking bubble. It's not a thought bubble. Thought bubbles have circles before the bubble. This has the little angly thing, right? Little pointy, angly thing. It's a speech bubble with a C in it. I inherited that when I got here. Simeon put that together. Some of you probably were in the design of that. I think it's awesome. Let's talk Christ. That C doesn't stand for Christ's way, not in my book. That C's never stood for Christ's way. That C stands for Christ. Let's talk Christ. I'm not that interested in talking Christ way. Let's talk Christ. Let's sit down and talk that. Let's talk Jesus. Let's see Jesus. Not because we've learned to impersonate him, but because he is our life. Where's my man, Arnick Shouse? Wherever he is. Come, Arnick, present yourself before the Lord. I'm about done. (laughs) We're not trying to impersonate God. We're not trying to impersonate Christ. We're not wearing this as a jacket. In churches, it's super easy to be Jesus-y on Sunday and nothing else the rest of the week. I, I totally get it. I don't think that's who you are. Not at all, not at all. I'm not, there's, I don't, not hypocrisy not dualistic, nothing. I I think we we love to live for God all week long. But I'm being drawn to something that might just be fine-tuning it a little bit. I don't want the trappings of religion to be in the way of the flow of the Spirit of God, where we're not seen Which is ironic that I'm standing in front of you under these hot white spotlights saying, don't be seen. But where we're not seen, where they see Jesus because we're hidden in him. That's why. Not because we're trying to make a great presentation of Jesus. Not because we're trying to wear Jesus. Our life is hidden in him. Hidden in him. Funny, I, as I was thinking about this this morning, I thought my mind went to this Super Bowl ad. It was for Pepsi. And it was Steve Martin. And he does all these different things. He's like, he's, he's a surgeon. He's got a surgeon mask on, a doot, Dude. Doot, doot, you know, hospital room. And he's like, and he goes, well, I hope that worked for you. And, and you look down, and it's a dog. The dog is like looking up at him, a dog on the operating table. And then he takes off his mask and he goes, I'm just an actor. I'm supposed to make you think I'm this. And then he goes into something, and the woman closes the door as he's the next person in line. He's like, Huh. Oh, did I make you think I was frustrated? Because I'm an actor. And he went through three or four different things. I watched it this morning. I was I remembered it, and then I watched it this morning. Went through all these different things. It's a Pepsi commercial. At the end, he takes a, he he grabs a Pepsi. He's like, wow. He's like, is that great taste or just acting? And he says, you'll have to buy it and decide for yourself. Are you hearing me? Is today great taste or are we just acting? he loves us, we love him. He is real, we have lived it, we know it. He is faithful, his promises are true. We don't have to add anything to it. Let me take a second and I'm going to identify for you, I've already checked and they're here, so I don't want to embarrass them, but that's gonna be too bad. I've already checked and I've identified that they're here, but I'm gonna point out for all of us, the person that violates this more than anybody else in the room. I violate this more than anybody else in the room. I don't know if it'd be a surprise to you. There are 150 moving parts. On a Sunday morning, 45 different people have assignments. I know when the screens are supposed to change. I know what the key changes are supposed to sound like. I heard a buzz off that speaker early on, a little static, and I was like, where is it? I know how things are supposed to roll. I know what that lobby's supposed to work like. I know how people are supposed to be moving here. I know things that are supposed to be happening. I know every single detail of this day. And there are hundreds And sometimes I'll be standing over here praying before I preach, and you're like, what a godly pastor. He is praying for that message. I am praying to not be mad when I preach (laughs) for the half dozen things that went south. So maybe you're just getting to listen in to what God's talking to me about today, but I think it's probably more than that. And I see things that we talked about, planned, prepared for, set up, work on, Try to make it excellent, frankly. Make it good, not a distraction. Nobody's trying to get praised. We're just trying to not be a distraction. And then you step over into this thing of carnality. Step over into this thing where we make the presentation. Acting as if some break in the presentation will thwart the work of the Lord. I'm the worst. I'm getting better, I'm getting better, but I'm sure I'm the biggest violator in the place. And what I'm saying today is that I want to give space for Jesus to work. I want to have love for people in this room. I want to have love for the work of God. And I want to be able to recognize that if you're in the wrong key and you're playing something else and you're singing a third, like, okay. I don't want to be on an island by myself. Would anyone join me in getting cleaner? (laughs) Getting less carnal, getting less hung up in the details and just a recognition of his power and presence, which can sweep away all doubt, can sweep away all despair, can sweep away all fear. The presence of the Lord in the room that we celebrate, we do our best, we try hard, our team works hard, we try hard. But I don't wanna cross those lines. I want my life to be hidden With Christ in God, so that when you see me, you see Him. So, in these next few moments as we close out the day, I want you to pray and listen to Him. I admitted to you in the spaces that I err, where have you erred? How has our life, your life, moved outside of being hidden in Christ? How has it happened? Because this is a drawing back, right? This is a drawing into him, a a leaning into trust, a leaning into his faithfulness, a leaning into his promises, which is what they're going to sing about. A leaning in to letting God be God, and we are just grateful to be here. And the change that happens in us just spills over. And we let it make up the difference. It struck me today, great acting or great taste? Which is it? I sure don't want great acting. I know that, and you don't either. We all know that. None of us want that. We want it to be so clean and so God, where he's lifted up, I'll close with this. What did John the Baptist say? Oh, that I might decrease, and you, O Lord, might increase. But that won't be just a side-by-side thing. I want to be found in Christ. Found in Christ.
1: Time and time again you have proven you do just what you said though the storms may come and the winds may blow i remain still